0: Hi everyone, welcome to another BitGuide episode today, we are going to talk about a very interesting topic, Sina is with me here, we're going to talk about wallets today, it's a very, very, um, let's say, a complicated topic for some people, so we thought after recording some basic episodes about Bitcoin's value proposition. Uh, we should also talk about how to custody it safely and how to deal with the security measures that are out there. So uh, Sina is with me as usual. Sina, welcome. How's it going? Hi, everyone. Hi, RK. Thanks for thanks for
1: attending uh, this episode. This is going to be a very useful one for, for people who are onboarding to the Bitcoin space. We're going to talk about custody. And The interesting thing here is that, well, Bitcoin is the only thing that you can custody yourself. Anything else, uh, I don't know, maybe, you know, you buy a house or uh, you buy stock or gold or whatever you buy is subject to somebody else allowing you to use that asset or hold it. Uh, And in many cases, they outright hold the asset for you. There's no way you can hold it yourself. And, and, you know, existence of that intermediary in, in between you and your own assets and belongings is is a source of corruption, right? So you can be sure that anyone that has power over your assets, they, they kind of try to use that power against you. Uh, we see that in, you know, people's bank accounts getting seized all the time, people's assets getting seized all the time. Uh, you think you are buying a nickel, for example, but the, the nickel exchange can prevent you from, uh, uh, you know, selling it or, or, or using it. So anywhere there is intermediary, you don't have ownership. So you actually, there are many, very little things you can claim you truly own, uh, except Bitcoin, Bitcoin allows you to truly own, uh, uh your, your money. In a way that, you know, it's just a piece of information in your head that's protecting it. No one else is involved. No other institution is involved. No one else can control it besides you, which is awesome, but it also has its trade-offs. So if you're the only one who has access to your money, uh, if you screw something up, if you forget your your uh, keys, I mean, if you if you lose your seed phrase and all then uh it's basically gone forever so today we are going to explore how we can keep ownership of our own money achieve self-sovereignty but also do it in a responsible right way so that we don't lock ourselves out of our funds arcade today has a lot of good material uh, for uh, just getting a basic understanding of how you should think about bitcoin custody and security uh setting the framework in but um uh so this discussion can provide the introduction and and give folks an overview of what are the range of technologies and solutions available what are the trade-offs and then is also working on a course under big uh BitGuide big master class in bitcoin which is about various custody methods and he has a beginner course and advanced course under under uh construction so follow us on twitter uh wherever you get your podcast and youtube uh, and clubhouse so uh you get updates as soon as our courses are ready we'll we'll announce it in these channels and uh, and uh uh explain what they are and what they do uh gonna be uh, free and open to anyone And I'm I'm sure it's going to be a great resource for people who are uh, onboarding to Bitcoin. With that, I'll hand it over to RK. Uh, uh, Tell us a little bit about what technologies exist. What do we mean by a Bitcoin wallet, basically? And what are the different kinds of wallets uh, that are used for custody?
0: Yeah. So, well... important thing i think that a lot of people should do is to listen to our episode number three which basically gives you every reason why you should have a private wallet that you custody yourself Uh, i got a very very great feedback from uh, a few listeners from that episode so I think it's gonna help everyone to have an aha moment why it really matters and why you should really take control of your money. Um, And after you do that, you maybe come back to this episode and uh, learn how to do it, how practical is it, how safe is it, and so on and so forth. So I'm gonna start with trying to explain the two differences among the types of wallets that exist and from there we can maybe if we still have time take it to a more advanced discussion and talk about more advanced security measures that people can implement into their own model um overall i think the most important thing to understand is that there is basically software applications that everyone can use to take full control of their Bitcoin. And the way these softwares work is through cryptography. And cryptography is uh, used, or, or actually it's called public key cryptography, right? So these keys are uh, so-called passwords, if you will, I think it's a more common way of explaining it. It's a password that has very random characters and letters and uh, numbers that are or that used to be very, very hard for people to write down. So the industry came up with very, very human readable ways of storing this information onto paper or onto Uh, digital forms of of storage. So the way most wallets work today is on a a BIP39 standard, which basically is a dictionary of 2048, I believe 2048 words. And these words are randomly chosen by the wallet provider that you have bought And this wallet basically picks from this dictionary 12, 18, 20 or 24 words. And this basically is the secret that you need to write down on a piece of paper or preferably even on metal. And you should store this information in secret. So that is called the private key. The private key is basically the proof that you own the Bitcoin. It's actually the only way to prove that you own the Bitcoin because Bitcoin is pseudonymous. There is no names attached. There is no legal uh, form of uh, you know proving everyone that you own a Bitcoin. It's just pure mathematic cryptography that you can... Prove to everyone else in the network that you are the real owner of that particular coin. So this private key makes that possible. That's number one. This private key, after it's generated, creates another key, which is called the public key. The public key then generates so-called Bitcoin addresses on your behalf. So these Bitcoin addresses, I always like to explain them like bank accounts or account numbers, if you will. So these account numbers are all leading to the same wallet. So they all look different and you can indefinitely create as many as you want, but they all lead to your wallet. And the reason why you have so many different and why you should use for every transaction a new address is because you don't want everyone to know how much Bitcoin you have. Let me give you an example. If I buy today um, a car from Sina and Sina is accepting Bitcoin and Sina gives me his Bitcoin address A and I send him one Bitcoin, And one year later, Sina sells another car to another individual and he uses the same Bitcoin address. I can see that address because I know that address belongs to Sina. If I just memorize that address or write down that address somewhere on my computer, I can go on the blockchain because the blockchain, the Bitcoin blockchain is a public ledger, right? Everyone can see everyone. So I can go ahead and put the address of Sina into the blockchain and see exactly how much Bitcoin there is. But if Sina wants to protect himself from me, knowing how much Bitcoin he has, he can go ahead and use another address, address B, address C, address D. So all these addresses lead or are generated from the public key. And the public key is generated from the private key. And every time Sina, wants to move one of his, one of these coins from one of these addresses, he uses his private key to sign the transaction. So that's how a wallet works. Now, let's talk about the two different types of methods on how the wallet uh, provider can uh, basically provide you the software with. One way of doing all of this is completely uh, having everything completely online which is a so-called hot wallet right so in a hot wallet it's called hot because it's all online your private key the secret that you write down and nobody should know the one that proves that you own the bitcoin is on the device that has internet connection and also the public key So you have both the private key and public key on the same device that has internet connection. Whereas the cold wallet, that's why it's called cold, you have your private key on a device that has no internet connection, but rather on a device that has uh, basically... An, isolation, an isolated form of hardware basically that you can purchase from different, uh, different manufacturers uh, which keeps the private key always away from any device that has internet connection. That's basically the idea. And the reason why you want to do that is in order to keep your private key away from any bad actors, from scammers or from, sorry, uh, uh, hackers who may hack your computer and steal your Bitcoin. So, for that situation, the most secure way of storing your Bitcoin is to use a hardware wallet, where your private key is stored offline. Maybe you can you can summarize that, and we can go ahead and talk about the rest. Yeah. So, <clears throat> a nice way to think about
1: you know how uh, Bitcoin custody works is. Uh, imagine you are, you know, you live in a apartment complex, uh, so many people uh, and each of them would have a a box, a mailbox, right? Uh, imagine each of those mailboxes are just an account where you can receive money. And uh, some people might have multiple of those uh, for whatever reason. And what you need uh, for transaction with your neighbor for instance is to tell them which box is yours so the neighbor will say okay box uh, number uh, 25 is is mine so then if you want to send some money send me some money go put uh, go put some cash in box 25. Uh, so that 25 is a number that identifies uh, my account sort so to speak uh that's similar to what we call public key or more accurately maybe an an address in the Bitcoin uh, network so anyone having that address can send money to it but they can't open my lockbox they can't open my mailbox and steal my money right the only person who can open it is the one that has the key to that mailbox and I'm the only one so uh that key functions as uh, a tool to access the money and that's similar to what we call private key in bitcoin and as long as you hold on to your private key no one can touch your money and uh but if anyone steals it obviously they have full control over the money as well and and so uh one uh, one additional detail there is like i said In Bitcoin, we want to have multiple uh, addresses and multiple mailboxes for each person because of privacy reasons. So if I only always use the same box, uh, people can see what goes in it. And that's the privacy issue. But if for any transaction or some of the transactions, I change my boxes, then nobody can see how much money I'm receiving. I'm the only one who knows that you know, I have this key that opens up these five boxes and also uh, that kind of separates uh, one transaction from my whole assets. Okay, so so that, that's an important thing. And uh, you basically want to avoid revealing your public key as much as possible. So people can't associate a specific mailbox with a specific identity. Uh, because then that mailbox could be monitored, especially on a blockchain. Everything is visible. Everyone knows how much money is inside each box. So that's similar to boxes being made out of glass, right? So we, we use that to be able to audit the total supply and we, we like the transparency, but at the same time that's, uh, we address privacy and concerns by things like changing addresses every time we make a transaction. So, uh, you still need to keep your public keys and addresses uh, safe and, uh, don't, don't, don't put it on, on a public space, but at the same time, you, you, I mean, basically you share them with, with the transaction counterparty. Okay. So that's how private keys and public keys work. And the, this, the, the thing that's really important is, uh, private key should be kept, uh, and, you know, in the most secure way possible because like I said, if it's stolen, everything is gone, right? So there's no other insurance company or there's no refund in, in Bitcoin. That key is the sole thing that controls the Bitcoin, okay? So you have to keep it secure for that purpose, for that reason, uh, we always keep it encrypted, but preferably we keep it offline. So anyway that anywhere you store it and it's connected to the internet, Uh, That opens up possibilities, uh, new possibilities for attacks. Uh, And what hot wallets do is keep it encrypted, but still on an application which is connected to the internet. So if, in theory, a hacker could, an attacker could basically access that piece of information and break the cryptography, which is very, very unlikely, but not impossible, uh, then they can access the key, right? And all of your money is gone so what we do to even go one step further in it, in improving our privacy uh, security is to keep that private key in a piece of hardware that's not connected to the internet thereby completely you know getting rid of that attack vector no hacker can work uh, can can basically steal my private key unless they have physical access to my hardware wallet and in certain other cases if they cannot can, uh, can if they can uh, organize a military attack on your home, like you know, uh, using uh, uh, electromagnetic waves and other things like that, they might also be able to steal that private key from a piece of hardware, which is why most uh, uh, Bitcoin hardware wallets have also secure elements to prevent these attacks. The moral of the story is you keep it offline, you get rid of all the attack vectors at once. And that's a huge, huge security benefit.
0: Exactly. So, uh, the, the way I always, uh, like to, uh, explain it is, uh, think about it as if you, um, own a piece of cash, but it's digital literally. So, uh, if you lose the cash, obviously it's going to be gone. Uh, cash is a final form of payment if you lose that piece of paper it's irreversible you cannot get it back unless you find it again right Uh, bitcoin is exactly the same but in a digital form which creates this vast universe of possibilities to program it the way you want in order to have even more security than you would have with physical cash, right? Because if you lose your private key, there is just no way anyone can get that key back. It is impossible. And uh, that gives the freedom of you being able to basically memorize cash. Basically, if you memorize the 12 words, you literally own the cash inside your head. And if someone shoots you, that money is going to be gone with you, right? That's why Michael Saylor, for example, uh, is famously known for saying that Bitcoin is the only asset you can actually take uh, with you into the grave, right? Which is quite fascinating. Uh, It, however, opens this vast, uh, diverse world of options that can lead to a lot of mistakes and if you don't know what you are doing you are the risk right if you have no idea what you are doing you better should not use a wallet for now or you should maybe use it for a very small tiny amount until you are comfortable and you understand exactly what you are about to do. So, um, Sina was asking me in the other room, which was a great question, how how do you start uh, using a wallet? Let's say you go on Binance, let's go you go on Coinbase, and you purchase some Bitcoin. How can you go ahead and self custody that? Well, the first thing I would do is, I would withdraw a very small amount into a mobile wallet okay, you can download a mobile wallet on your phone right now, you can download Blue Wallet, you can download Moon Wallet, Uh, Samurai, I think, is a a good one as well, I don't have a lot of experience with that one, but my favorite is Blue Wallet, great app, and just open a wallet on that, and uh, it's going to give you 12 words, and you can write that down, and that's basically the private key, and after you do that, you can Withdrawal a little bit from coinbase or i don't recommend coinbase by the way don't use coinbase uh, but wherever you have your bitcoin withdrawal your coin into your um blue wallet and just see how it works right after you know exactly what you're doing you can then go ahead and purchase a hardware wallet And maybe that's the next thing we can talk about, Sina. What is a hardware wallet and what is the difference? I already mentioned the the main difference, or actually the only difference is one, a hot wallet keeps the 24 words on a device that has internet access, and a cold wallet keeps the secret private key on a hardware that has no internet access. So once you feel comfortable, And you have a very large amount in bitcoin for your i mean relatively compared to how much money or how much wealth you have if the percentage of your wealth in bitcoin is large or i would say even larger than five percent then you should definitely use a secure hardware wallet and you can purchase uh all sorts of products out there in the market there is Uh, a hardware wallet called Ledger that you can use. Uh, You can use a Trezor. You can use a cold card. You can use uh, the Bitbox wallet, which is great as well. SwissMate uh, wallet. By the way, we don't have any affiliation with any of these companies. So Sina and I just share names of wallets that we have tried and we feel very comfortable with and depending on your skill level technically you might feel more comfortable at the beginning with something like a ledger before you use a cold card right and a bitbox for example is something in between it's it's user friendly but still you have all the advanced options that you can add on top of your security model that will uh, open the gate for more advanced features but that would be the first step. And after you feel very comfortable, uh, you can withdraw, or you should withdraw every single Satoshi you have on the exchanges into your own private wallet. So, so let me add, add something here. Uh, the
1: most important thing in, when uh, <clears throat> thinking about Bitcoin custody is to think about it in, in a hierarchy and in several steps. Generally, what people do is uh, in the beginning, they, they start learning about security and then it becomes so complex and, and intimidating that they prefer to just you know, not, not hold it themselves. It's a lot easier to just leave it on, on an exchange and what could go wrong, right? So uh, every day I'll look at my balance. It's there. So uh, uh, why go into the trouble of uh, you know, becoming a security expert and hold it myself? Um, and that's you know partly and potentially an education uh, mistake that security experts do in, into complicating the matters to the extent that you know people just run away. Uh, it's important to understand that there is always uh, uh, a variety of security methods that are available. That some of them are just too much for you. You don't have to go through you know a, a very sophisticated uh, security uh, and custody method that michael saylor would go through to to secure billions of dollars right so one of the nice ways to understand how much security you need is look at how much bitcoin you have if you only have a small amount by all means keep it on a on a wallet on a on a application i don't know a hot wallet like blue wallet or moon wallet any of them they are very very good and secure and much better than keeping it on an exchange where it could be rehypothecated and uh, you know, stolen at any time or, or uh, you know, multiplied uh, by, because uh, they use fractional reserve methods. So you may not even have an actual Bitcoin on there. It may just be a number on the screen, right? So keep it in your custody using an online, using, using an application like Blue Wallet, for instance um that's still orders of magnitude better and keep than keeping it on an exchange and while you do that as you're building conviction and buying more your need for security will increase and so does your knowledge as your security knowledge increases then you can graduate towards a hardware wallet and then also there are multiple hardware wallets some are easier some are harder ha- harder and and we, while using a hardware wallet you can also increase your security by multiple other tools that are available so there's a way there's a way to just use the basic functionality of a hardware wallet basically just withdraw your coins to it to it and create a seed phrase and secure that seed phrase that's all you need to do at first Uh, but if you have a lot more coins then other issues emerge Um, how can I keep it from how can I keep my my uh, seed phrase from uh, a flood or a fire or even like forgetting? Uh, es- especially if if you're keeping it for a long run, right? How do we do that? So then you add more layers of security on top, so, uh, and you don't have to know all of these advanced methods in the beginning. You don't. You may not even uh, have to implement the most sophisticated one at all. So. Uh, It's just about learning what are the uh, array of options and which ones are right for you at the moment. And there's always something better uh, than keeping it in somebody else's hand.
0: Yeah, I mean, the way I always uh, explain it to others is that you need to understand that you at the end are the biggest risk here. If you don't know what you're doing, and I think I said that already, but I'm going to say it again because it's so important. If you have no idea what you are doing, you have to immediately stop and uh, do what you did before, before you you know, go ahead with what you're doing or do it with a very small amount because you're risking, right? So uh, that's one thing. The other thing is, Once you uh, start to accumulate a lot of Bitcoin for yourself, you have to consider all sorts of scenarios that might happen and your options. One of the options is what if, for example, uh, you have your Bitcoin at home and your house burns, right? In that case, you should better have your seat words not on paper, but rather on metal, right? That's a very, very uh, logical thing that you should think about in that case. Or what if there is someone who breaks into your house and steals your seat phrase? What you should, what, what, what can you do there? right? These are all questions you need to consider. And interestingly, before we go ahead and talk about that, I want, I want for everyone to understand, every time we talk about this, think about it for different assets. What options do you have with cash compared to uh, Bitcoin? What options do you have with gold compared to Bitcoin? If you have gold or if you have cash at home, There is not much you can do you either have it at home or you put it in a bank vault and you trust the bank right but with bitcoin the beauty of bitcoin is you can have bitcoin at home and you can have a backup somewhere else safely so you don't have to but you can but that optionality Shouldn't make you go crazy and say, oh my God, this is not safe. Uh, do I really have to do that in order to keep it safe? The answer is no, you don't have to. But because of the beauty of Bitcoin's optionality, people get confused and believe they have to do all of this in order to be safe. And the re- and th- the truth of the matter is that's not the case. You You have all these options but you don't have to do them in order to be safe. In reality, you actually should do what you understand because that's the most safe thing to do. But let's say you become more advanced and you don't want to trust um, your own house and you want to put your Bitcoin not in your own place because you're not planning on selling your Bitcoin for the next five years, right? Well, you can rent, for example, a secure bank vault or like all these gold dealers offer these these vaults, these, these, these secure vaults, right? So you can put your seed phrase there, for example, and you can keep the hardware wallet at home with a pin on it, right? If you do that, then you have the security of the pin uh and the seat phrase is not at home so if anybody would break into your home they don't have your seat phrase right and of course you can go further and say okay what if the bank vault is corrupted what if someone breaks into the bank and 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 steals my my um uh seat phrase from there right well banks offer actually uh, uh, insurance for gold vaults, right? Which is quite funny because you don't actually need that uh, insurance with Bitcoin. And here's why. You can add a passphrase on top of that seed phrase and just memorize it. And of course you should write it down and not only memorize it because if you forget it, you're gonna lose the Bitcoin. And if you have a passphrase on top of the 24 words, even if someone breaks into that bank they cannot get your Bitcoin. So if you want to recover your Bitcoin, let's say you lose the hardware wallet, you want to recover the Bitcoin, you will need the 24 words plus the passphrase on top. That makes the whole setup a little bit more complicated. If something happens to you, you need to make sure it's written down somewhere or some of your relatives know what you did, right? But it gives you at the same time the benefit that if something happens in the bank vault, you don't have to worry. Or if you carry that seed phrase on the street with you and someone steals it from you, you don't have to worry because there is a there's an additional passphrase on top of that.
1: so let's so let's uh, wait here for a second. Uh, the simplest way to secure your Bitcoin, is to create a and store your own seed phrase if you hold it on a hot wallet that's uh self-custodial meaning uh your private keys are in under your own control Uh, if it's a hot wallet or if it's a cold wallet in both cases they produce seed phrases for you Uh, uh, which is basically so you write them down and this is the core way you access your, your, your money. This is similar to what I said, you know, holding your own key, uh, in the apartment complex, that key, just to, to be able to make it easier to store people have converted into 24 or 12 words, uh, depending on the, on the uh, technology you're using. Those 24 words are, you know, simple to write down and hard to make a mistake as opposed to, you know, a long string of, uh scrambled characters so uh that's why basically it's turned into words and then uh like we said you keep it completely offline because if it's a stolen everything is gone and the simplest way to do that is is to write it on a piece of paper but uh paper is uh you know uh can 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 get destroyed easily so you may want to actually keep it on a piece of metal and there are many solutions out there by various companies that provide uh, uh, resistant and resilient uh, media on which you can write your seed phrase. So you keep your seed phrase offline and you secure it, okay? But then the problem is you o- there's only one secret that holds all your wealth, and that's itself a concern. If you lose that seed, uh, written seed, or if somebody steals it, everything is gone right so to add one more layer of security we 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 create two secrets uh that's like you know creating a a mailbox that needs two keys to open okay in this specific case where arc is explaining we have 24 words and then we have a, a 25th one that's separate and that 25th uh uh, word is not actually a small word. It could be any length. You could write a poem. You could, <laughs> you could, do, you could write anything. It could even be a recipe to your favorite meal. I don't recommend that, it. but okay. Yeah. So, so uh, I mean, you have freedom in choosing that. And and uh, uh, it's it's really hard to just by looking at it uh, say it's, it's a secret. But if it's a you know plate on which you have written 24 words, everyone with minimal knowledge knows that this is a secret to Bitcoin, right? But you know, 25th word, some people even just write it and uh, write it like I said, you know, some some kind of generic sentence or whatever that uh, you know, if somebody walks into your house, would probably think that they just took a note about something or it's maybe a recipe, whatever. Okay, so that's so you have a lot of freedom in choosing that 25th word. But but the the actual benefit is you can keep the 25th and the first 24 separate. And Mm. and that separation gives you a lot of uh, power. If somebody steals the 24 words, they have no access to your Bitcoin unless they can brute force your twenty fifth word as well. So they can sometimes they they try all kinds of combinations of words and letters and numbers to to generate it. And that's why if you if you choose a long enough twenty fifth word, then um, then uh, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty secure. So the only way somebody can access your money is if they have the twenty four words and the passphrase, which is the twenty fifth one, right? Yes. So that creates a lot of A lot of power in your hand um to to be able to you know secure things in in a way that um you know it's hard to compromise even if somebody steals one piece of secret the second one could be kept somewhere else separate where nobody knows except you so that's a huge amount of added security and then um another method that's you know similar in the spirit spirit but different in technology is multi sig so these uh what what arky was explaining about passphrase is still the same long seed phrase which is broken down into two pieces so once you're recovering your bitcoin you have to provide both pieces of information they get combined they create one larger seed which will then use use as your key to open your Bitcoin vault on the blockchain but multi-sig uh, uh, has integrated technology in which several seeds are needed to begin with and they could be this uh, they could be any number and and uh, distributed in different ways so, Uh, What is multi-sig, RK? Explain that a bit to us. Yes,
0: so multi-sig is a very sophisticated way of storing Bitcoin. It is actually not as difficult to do as it used to be. I think you can even do multi-sig on Blue Wallet today, which is quite amazing. But um, ultimately, to make it very simple as an explanation, it gives you the option to use multiple wallets to create one wallet in combination with these multiple devices. And you can choose how many of these devices should sign any transaction in order for the transaction to be a valid one. Let me give you an example. Let's say you purchase three hardware wallets, a ledger, a cold card, and a Trezor, okay? Each of these hardware wallets give you uh, 24 words. You write them down, you back them up securely. And after you do that, you combine all three of them and you can use a software like uh, Sparrow, for example, or Spectre, uh, and you create a vault, which is called a multi-sig vault. And by creating this vault, you pick these these three devices that you export into the, into the software using your computer. And then it creates a, a, a vault with Bitcoin addresses. It looks just like a normal wallet. But if you want to sign a transaction, you need at least two of these three devices. You can also make a three out of five. You can make a five out of 10. But the more devices you use, the more complicated it becomes and the more um, uh, cumbersome is the backing uh, is, is to back everything up and to store everything securely. So the most common one is either a, a two of two, I think, yes, a two of two, uh, or a two of three, right? So if you have a two of three, for example, you can put each device in three different locations. And it gives you this bulletproof, absolute certain bulletproof way of storing your Bitcoin. I always say multi-sig is like a dream for a security model, in my opinion. If you understand it, you you have to use it. It's just so amazing. So you can keep one device with your relative, another device you put in the bank, and the other device is with you. And every time you want to sign a transaction, of course, you need at least two of these, but you're not planning on sending a lot of Bitcoin. You're holding it for the long term. So that's the downside. But the upside is if someone breaks into your house and holds a gun in in front of your, your head and says, get your wallet out. Even if you get your wallet out and you open it and he can see all the money and he asks you to sign it, you can sign it, it won't work. You need another device in order to move the money. So that's multi sig it gives a security model that even protects you from yourself. If you are scared from death and you want to give away the Bitcoin, you won't be able to because you have previously created this security model that is ultra- bulletproof essentially
1: and and you can make it more and more complicated to achieve more security um so let's say you create a two out of three setup which means you have three secrets or three seeds to store and anyone with two of them is going to be able to access the coins the benefit is well if you lose one of them you still have the other two. So you're kind of resilient. Yes, that's the
0: other benefit that I forgot to say. Exactly. That's the other benefit. If you lose one of them, you still have two keys left.
1: Yes. So that kind of reduces the possibilities of uh, screwing up. And uh, same thing. If somebody steals it, they have to steal a second piece of secret as well. And what you can do is actually store them in different ways. So if you have an attacker who is a really strong hacker and basically uh, they steal it from uh, some kind of electronic device, well, you can keep the second secret in in a physical form somewhere that's not accessible. Or if you have, if you're concerned about a thief coming into your house and accessing the seat plate that you've stored in your house then okay the the second secret could be in a bank vault or you know a friend's house your lawyer so these kind of create a a variety of different attacks that an attacker should create so they have to be really good at you know burglary but also really good at uh you know going past a bank's security system which is which is really hard, right? So, but you just create many different layers that an attacker should, has to go through to access that coin, which basically makes it, you know, impossible. So, but then you may say, okay, if I lose one, it's or if I, if two of them get somehow stolen, uh, then the whole, the whole money is gone. So then, okay, you can increase it. You can do three out of seven. You can do five out of seven. Yes. Uh, and uh and basically you add more security it gets harder and harder and those seven secrets could be scattered around the world uh in different mediums in different ways in different places uh uh, some some at custodians some at secret places that you only know but then if you do that you're making it's so complex that well first of all no one can can steal it from you but then you have a lot of reason to screw up yourself so as you add more complexity it becomes more secure but yes also but, uh, easier to screw up
0: a- another benefit that we forgot cena which a lot of people um uh, don't actually talk about is i mean we know in the bitcoin industry it's all about not trusting anyone right so if you even have this paranoia uh, feeling of not even wanting to trust the wallet manufacturer, right, these advanced models will also protect you there. So let's say you purchase the ledger and you do not trust the device that ledger sent you to generate you the secret. Okay. In that case, if you add, another passphrase even if the 24 words were somehow i don't know ledger knows them for whatever reason you don't trust them and they have put their entire company's reputation on risk and want to defraud only you if you think that if you add a passphrase there is just no way for them to get access to your money without knowing your passphrase or even better if you don't trust ledger and you combine the seed from ledger with a seed from cold card which is a completely separate and independent and different company well then you have distributed the risk of one counterparty of creating that secret for you to two and then you can go ahead and create another uh, model with three devices or four devices and so on and so forth so that's another benefit that you have if you use multi-sick i think that's quite um yeah interesting as well
1: yeah you can just uh, take it to the next level but the benefit is you know uh it's in your own control Uh, you know you you make it harder and more complicated as you need so once as soon as you acquired the first billion dollars of bitcoin then yeah go (laughs) ahead and create a five out of seven uh set up uh, with uh, with a with a lot of uh, diversity and and just uh, difference in, in in how they're kept um but you know for many people for the absolute majority of people a seat phrase and a passphrase uh are really really good or a simpler multi-stick setups are really good Uh, something you have to keep in mind is anytime you create a secret you have to think very carefully about how to store it and even for the same secret you also want multiple copies uh, to protect you against loss so something that's uh, uh i hear frequently from security experts is you know think about at least three uh copies of the same seed and and use different Media for it. So if one of them is on steel uh, 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 in your basement, second one could be on steel, but keep it somewhere else, not in the same house. Keep it at 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 a bank, but then you have problem trusting the bank. So keep the third piece at a trusted friend's house. So you kind of you know each uh, seek each copy. Uh, needs to be stored in a different place and in a kind of a different setup such that um uh you know you may lose a piece but then second one is impossible to lose for the same reason as you lost the first one yeah. so that's yeah so so for every secret you create at least think about three backups even you if you create passphrase you need three copies of three backups for it
0: Yes, um uh, we have Randy with us here in the room. Uh, I know Randy from Cafe Bitcoin. He is actually very knowledgeable about this topic as well. He just joined that uh, joined us on on stage. Uh, I know Randy knows a lot about cryptography. Maybe uh, Randy, we, we don't have much time left. It's unfortunate, but Randy, maybe you can you can um, uh, tell us a little bit about the risks of passphrases. I know that, you had a story the other day when I was listening to you where someone made a mistake with a passphrase and how dangerous it could be if you take it a little bit, uh, if you stretch it and take it a little bit too far. Welcome on stage. Okay.
2: Yeah. I'll try to be brief. Um, you know, I, I really like the cold card. So I kind of like, I'll speak within context of like using the cold card, like the cold card, obviously um you load or generate your seed phrase within the cold card maintain like air gapped all you know all the time never connect it you know for like maximum like you know security or whatever as far as like air gapping within the cold guard uh you have the option of entering a passphrase. um the passphrase is Um, alphanumeric, and there are some special characters. Um, I don't know exactly what they are offhand, but uh, you have the option of using uh, you know, alphanumeric or special characters. The limit on the cold card is 100 characters. I think that that's more than enough as a 25th word. Just to clarify, I don't know if you already did this, but um sometimes people use passphrase or 25th word interchangeable that's completely different than like if you're using a pin or something else to actually log into the device um so the 25th word is an additional you can look up like salting in in kind of like cryptography it's like you're just adding a little extra entropy or something to the actual um private key. And what's one of the most critical things to understand is that you can actually use, like, um, for instance, you can you have your root, I'll use root seed phrase, and then you add an additional 25th word, like, say you add the word alpha to it. The if you went Okay, the root seed phrase leads to a wallet, but when you add an additional word, that leads to a completely different wallet because you have changed the like fundamental, like entropy that's being used to generate that wallet. So one of the things that people can get confused about is like say they, um, when they're initially setting up a device, they use some crazy password to as a 25th word and then they forget that and they're like well i'm i'm putting in my seed phrase and they but they've forgotten some crazy password and so it's so critical to you know like i really suggest like don't like Go too far. Like it's okay to learn this stuff in like increments. Don't get out of your comfort zone because you can always grow and like get more knowledge and like increase your security. But if you get over your skis or something and you do something crazy and you can't recall what you did, like you're going to get into a pinch because nobody can help you like nobody can help you figure out some crazy 25th word that you use so it's completely okay to like incrementally do this because remember as long as you maintain that hardware device as fully air gapped, you, you're already in a in a very good uh, like security posture because so it's okay to, once you get to the point that you're using a hardware wallet, fully air gapped, like that is a huge step. And just at that point, just take it incrementally. Don't get too crazy. Like I was, I help. like, you know, there is one cool thing, like with the cold card, I'm not like, you know, some shill or something. It's just something that I like. I so use obviously. it as
0: well. It's amazing. I love it.
2: Yes. Yes. I actually, I have like one of the beta devices for the Mark IV, like the new, but anyway, um, what's really cool about say the cold card is there is a telegram group. And so I was in there and somebody was like having trouble and they forgot what they did. And, you know, obviously um, I was just trying to like figure out Obviously never asking a person's seed phrase or anything like that, but I was just trying to get an idea of what he did. And ultimately, I think what the what he ended up doing was he was experimenting with the sparrow and then like generated a X pub from his cold card with like say the root seed phrase or something or you see what i'm saying that's why i'm kind of going off on this like 25th word thing is so he basically like had generated two xpubs one from his his, like root seed phrase but also one from uh a wallet generated from his 25th word and so he kind of got confused because he was trying to he was using one xpub to generate addresses and generate like a transaction, and then he was trying to get the cold card to sign it, but it was the wrong xpub yes. for. Th-
0: that's the-, the that's a danger, right? That's a danger of passphrases. If you if you if you put a passphrase, <laughs> and as you mentioned, it's 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 even case sensitive. The problem is if you put a passphrase, and you write it in a way. That uh, you actually forget. Let's say you write one letter as a capital letter and you just forget about that letter that you wrote it as a capital letter. And next oh, time, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's that's the that's the I remember you told me once one of those stories, which was, yeah, pretty, okay, pretty okay, yeah. crazy. Now, now on the cold card,
2: they don't allow you to do that. It's it, so okay. they limit that's the right thing to do. They yeah, limit that variable. <laughs> oh, this is. Just, um, you know, one suggestion, right? If you want to experiment with the 25th word, keep in mind you've already generated a seed phrase, right? On the, say, the cold cards. So you have a 24 word seed phrase. Just use the first word again on mm-hmm. the 25th word. That's mm-hmm. like a nice little, like, baby step into using the 25th word just be just be redundant just use the first word of your seed phrase again for the 25th word something like that something very simple so you can get comfortable with that so i'm just throwing that out as a suggestion
0: yes yeah you just came into the room we were talking about all the benefits but as you said the downside is sometimes uh, not i mean i would even say right now most of the time much bigger than the upside because most people still don't understand what they're doing when they put a passphrase i also don't suggest it for anyone i always explain it to everyone and i let them choose and i also explain them the dangers but the danger is if you forget that If you write it down wrong and you forget it, the problem is the wallet next time is not going to give you an error. It's going to work. If you put the passphrase wrong, it is going to work. And it's going to show you a balance of zero. So that's the danger. So if you use a passphrase, it's amazing because you can basically... um, (laughs) Uh, have the ultimate security of uh, having even the 24 words stolen from you but on the at the same time if you mess up something there is just no no way to get your money back
1: so i think this might be a ui issue you know they uh, if the wallet allows you to use very complicated setups without making it clear that, you know, for example, that 25th word is as important as the seed phrase that you created. So if, if that's not clear to the user, then uh, they might say, yeah, okay, let's create this password. And then the, the seed phrase is the more one I actually, you know, keep very secure and I care about. So, but but for some reason, these errors, these user complications happen a lot, which tells me there is something that to be changed with education or the way people promote more sophisticated uh tools um so basically it's...
2: yeah go ahead well there, there you know there are prompts on the cold card and other devices that say like you know there there's usually some kind of prompt that says you're doing something important like pay attention so you know the, but keep in mind See, part of the problem here is that like these devices, like the cold card, they're not like general purpose like computers. They're very simple computers that have a very specialized function. And so you have to understand that like the the normal kind of alerts and stuff like that this that you get in like an a regular like desktop computer that's not really possible because you're using a very primitive device that is specialized for a specific purpose and that's and that is important because it reduces the potential attack vectors and hacking issues and so it's really kind of and again this is why i emphasize like take baby steps because yes. it is very new to a lot of people. And so, and it is, you're dealing with very primitive kind of cryptographic functions. They're primitives, right? And so I, I'm not sure, see, okay. So part of the issue is there's always a trade-off. The more functionality you add, the more user experience you add, you're reducing you're increasing the threat potential and so that's part of the like trade off there and why people need to get find their comfort zone and then grow into that comfort zone and then they can increase their security and this kind of stuff so yeah it's it's go ahead
0: yeah it's 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 a it's a i mean we could go along for like we could go along for like two more hours to be honest this is such a such an interesting topic um i think there's one more person on stage bt did you yes. have a question yes okay
3: long time long time no see i've been seeing you after a while trust you've been doing good so yeah interesting uh, what randy said about uh I don't know question yes i have a quick question uh, for the 25th word yes what is your opinion on, uh, should it be a BIP word or, I mean, uh, should it be, I mean, uh, or should it be a random other word? And other comments that I had on the cold card does acknowledge, right. For a passphrase in the sense that when you enter a particular passphrase, it does show an ID kind of a thing. Like, like what R K you said mentioned a bit earlier. For example, if I have my 25th word, let's say uh, <clears throat> with the A capital and when I, re-enter it again later to check it out i do not enter the capital letter it will sh- still open and show a zero balance to avoid this cold card does have a thing right i don't know what it exactly calls it but does show an ID I think, kind of a thing before you
0: yeah i, I think yeah. randy 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 knows uh, the answer to this clear better every every wallet that you generate has a fingerprint
2: it's a unique uh you know, series of letters and numbers
3: that is derived from the actual right, wallet. Right. But in the UI, I, I, in cold card, I definitely uh, uh, know that it shows it, the ID kind of a thing, when you before just opening the wallet, right? But I don't know if about Ledger or Trezor. I'm not sure if it is there in the UI.
2: Okay, I, um, so there's a couple different things. When the cold card first boots up, you enter in the first half of your pin and then it shows you a couple words those are like anti-fishing no no uh, randy Randy, yeah i'm quite uh, okay
3: uh, i know i mean you are a pro on cold card and i kind of know it a bit i mean just to pass by what i'm saying is when you enter a passphrase even and when you i mean enter it it just shows you a kind of an id right an alpha i mean six seven uh,
0: digit. that's the fingerprint ID. Yeah, that's, that's the, right. That's right. the fingerprint right. I mean, the, that's the fingerprint and, and that, let me explain that, you, you know, why exactly let me explain you why yeah, you, I mean, you, you you get to see that
3: i understand okay i was just trying to say that that is kind of an acknowledgement to show you that you are opening that id if i did it with a passphrase with let's say a lowercase letter which was not my actual wallet it will show a different fingerprint right and that would make me understand i was just trying to say that that's a small problem yes. in the ui yes yes, yes. you're right yes
0: know. yes yes that's right you're right that's a, that's a good that's i forgot about that yeah and cold, cold, cold card cold, cold card before. does that be a word or not? cold let me just say this cold card does that but i don't know any other device that does the same you know, the blue wall... Right, right. I was, was
3: saying the exact same the thing. The blue wallet, wallet. I don't know what... I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, you know, we can go... You know, I know we're short on time, but... <laughs> So RK, please like invite me to this like room again in the future, because this is like yes. one of my favorite topics. Of course. So, uh... Sure,
0: sure. We're going to do another session uh, on, on, on Bitcoin security. Maybe we can do an advanced uh, room uh, to talk about this topic. I think uh, I, I love the topic as well. I'm, I could talk about it all day long. Thanks for coming up on stage, both of you. Thanks for everyone for coming in. Sina, do you have any any other words? Anything else to say? Uh,
1: no just uh, just uh, as a reminder, we created big guy to educate
0: and and
1: ultimately help mass adoption in the right way distribute education. So as part of that effort, uh, RK is developing a Bitcoin security course multiple ones actually at different levels of uh, uh, difficulty so uh he's working on that uh, as soon as it's ready we'll announce it thanks a lot randy and others who who joined us uh, but, yeah definitely we'll continue doing this
2: hey rk hit me up i'll definitely i'll like be happy to kind of like review and scrutinize the curriculum as you develop it definitely ho- i will randy i
0: will i will i will definitely awesome. do that thanks for the offer i will definitely do that are you coming to the conference no i'm I'm not
2: really uh into i mean i like you know bitcoiners but i'm not really into social interaction it's okay i really like the atlanta one like that's i'm more into like the technical so i've considered going to the atlanta one the tab okay maybe
0: i'll see you in the next one but uh, i'm going so i thought uh, it would be it would have been really nice to meet you in person but maybe in the next one yeah, hit me up when the next room pops in. I, I will. Is- I will definitely. I will. Oh, rendi- I'll
2: join the group. It's its own group, so I'll join Yes, the group. yes, club, just yeah. just
0: just yeah, just follow the club and 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 you will get uh, notified whenever we do a room. We actually do these rooms every week, so we do a weekly room every Wednesday. Uh, I mean, at least that's the plan. Next week, I'm going to be in Miami. I'm not sure if Sina and I are going to manage to do another room next week, but usually we do them every Wednesday. We do one room in Farsi first, and then immediately after, we do another room in English. So anyone who's listening, uh, follow us on Clubhouse, uh, follow Sina, follow uh, me, follow Randy, follow the club, and we see you all in the next episode. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. See ya.